0: Welcome to the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 207.
1: What's going on, Parker?
0: So, last week, actually, past couple weeks, been talking about the Pinotaur Revision 2. Well, I finally got all the boards in last week. I soldered all the through-hole connectors on it and powered them up, and they passed the smoke test. Woo! Yeah, so they, they all work. I mean that was kind of expected because rev One was fine in that regard too, um, and then uh, did a programming test. So basically, I just f- you know flashed a hex file I had lying around uh, from a previous uh, from the uh, excuse me the previous revision, flashed that on there, worked fine. So they the microcontrollers are are doing its thing, and uh, yeah, so I'm going to be shipping those boards off to to testers and programmers, and hopefully. You know, maybe within a month we have something that's, like, you can play.
1: So do you have to uh, do any um, uh, testing yourself on it? Or did you just test it to see if it works?
0: I was testing it to see if it works. And then I'm keeping one board myself out of the four I have. And uh, one of my friends has got a couple empty pinball machines that is just, like, the shell. So it's, like, a play field and artwork and stuff. And, um... Thinking about basically taking this board because they don't have electronics in them and basically put a pin or rev 2 in there and then do some basic code to get them flipping so you can actually like test the boards all the way so we can test like the lights and stuff so that we haven't really tested yet,
1: right? I guess because this is rev 2, you, s- you did a lot more of the uh, functional testing on the first one, correct? Yeah, this one was a little bit more just to fix a few small issues and move some things around, right?
0: Yeah. And then and we only built one rev one and then uh rev two is going to be more, you know, we have three different people going to be using it now. So hopefully, you know, more people find issues or don't find issues, I guess. <laughs> That'd be <laughs> nice. Um, but there's already a couple changes I want to make for rev three. Um, the fuse holders aren't, I don't really like them a lot. They, they, we're using like this old school five millimeter by 20 millimeter glass fuses which are kind of standard for pinballs, uh, pinball machines. But I don't know, they kind of suck to use. Why is that? Um, the, the hard to grab cause they're so tiny. So you kind of have to have like a glass fuse holder puller cause if you use pliers, you just crush them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, they're just, I don't know. I, I've, I never really liked those kind of fuses. Um, so I think I'm going to change over to, Part number Keystone 3588, which is a mini-blade-style fuse holder that's also SMT. Like automotive mini-blade? That's Yeah, yeah mini-automotive fuse. Oh. Um, so it'd be like the size of your fingernail on, like, what, your index finger? Mm-hmm. About that size? Ooh, they're
1: not particularly cheap. They're a buck a piece.
0: Oh, fuse holders are expensive. <clears throat> like, the ones I'm using now are, like, double that price. So they're actually cheaper And they're smaller in footprint. Mm. And so I might actually be able to squeeze like another inch off the board size. (laughs) More fuses. Or put more fuses on it, yes. But we (laughs) have plenty of fuses. You don't need any more. I saw how many
1: you have on there. It's got like
0: eight or something like that on here. (laughs) Not including PTC resettable fuses. What are you using those for? Those are for low current stuff that goes off the board. Um, Oh, got it. Yeah, like Optos. Stuff like that that you know, having a one amp fuse is like way overkill. So I kinda wish I could do PTC fuses on everything, but some of them are like you need five amps, and a PTC fuse for five amps is actually really expensive.
1: Yeah, and they get they get big fast. Yeah, they
0: get big and they get um unpredictable and when they trip. <laughs> Wait, how so? They don't have a they're done by heat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um they trip from heat, I think, if I recall. And so they have like a range they 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 trip at. Or I don't say trip. They there's a range where they become infinite resistance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so So do you think that uh, rev 3 is going to be kind of the
0: end of this or or like what you call is like done yeah Rev 3 i want it to be the this is our production production revision so we'll build we will build more prototypes of Rev 3 of course but then be like okay you know i don't want any more changes after that just to kind of speed up the timeline but there's not much more to to like you know as long as this board works really well you know there's not been really you know we need to change electrically wise, like one of the things to do is to update the logos because hmm. it says 2019 on it. And now I say 2020 on it. Right. Right. Um, and I want to do like full backside artwork because there's only like eight parts or 12 parts on the back. And so I want the whole back of the board to have artwork on it. Even though you know, most people won't see it. It'd be one of those Easter eggs when you pull the machine apart and you see the back of the board, uh, you know, funny
1: enough. Uh, I don't I don't I, I don't think there's any problem with saying this I, in terms of I, I don't think Roz would care Roz just designed his third PCB of all time and um, it's a it was a guitar pedal that he designed um, R- Roz being having been a guest on this podcast like five or six times now good friend <laughs> of ours uh, but I uh, on one side of one of the connectors in small silkscreen, it says e- Epstein didn't kill himself. And you can, uh, <laughs> you can just barely see it. If you look right over the wires that connect to everything. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, I I think Roz, even after three PCBs, he already gets it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like he's already playing <laughs> the game. <laughs> yeah. You always put
0: funny. I, I always like putting funny stuff or, uh, Easter eggs on my my PCBs. So oh
1: yeah, the the um, earlier in 2019 when I was doing the Macroamp, uh, that which was a four layer board, I embedded a handful of notes in the inner layers to uh, to some of the people at at MacroFab, which was funny because uh, the the uh, one of the people who reviews PCBs like just said everything was fine and like it, it passed it to me and i was like come on did you really look And then <laughs> she got back to me about it. She's like oh my god <laughs> found all my secret notes in there
0: <laughs> so yeah gotta do that and uh you know fix a couple of the traces um for uh that i left at 90s so
1: you're just kind of waiting um for some feedback from people you might Introduce some more things if you get feedback from a handful of people saying, Yeah, like connector
0: placement, placement, stuff like that. Um, I expect that stuff to change. Um, Like one thing we want to do is we want to add a connector for the ball trough instead of having like four opto connectors, just do one connector for that. Right,
1: one master connector.
0: But we kind of need to play around with what connector we want to use for that. Um, And get good feedback on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. What about, um,
1: how, does your, how does your board
0: mount inside the shell of a pinball machine? So it goes on a metal plate. And so that's actually one thing we're going to do next is, um, there's a couple lists next is, uh, we've got to design a metal plate that the board fits on. And then I'm also going to design, so one is just going to be the board. And mm-hmm. then I'm going to design another metal plate that's the board plus a section where the Raspberry Pi, if you're using a Raspberry Pi, can mount too. So just like a regular Raspberry Pi, just
1: and then they just ribbon cable over or something like that.
0: Uh USB plug. Yeah. Oh, okay, got it. Use a little tiny six-inch USB cable. And um, and then uh, so that's the next thing I really need to design. But that's pretty easy because that's a two D drawing of where holes go into a piece of metal. <laughs> so
1: does that piece of metal just screw into the internal side of the? Thing? Yeah. Okay. It just
0: gets like wood screwed to the back of the cabinet.
1: <laughs> and then and then your board just mounts, what, to standoffs or something?
0: Yeah, there's some standoffs. Cool. Um, and we're not going to use PEM studs anymore like right. we did on Penheck Rev 6. I think we did PEM studs, hmm. um, which they were great the first time you install it. But the moment you need to like take the board out, it's a pain in the nards. Because <laughs> like, it's not like it's right in front of you. You have to reach, you know, up and into the machine where right. they kind of like pop them off. So
1: they, uh, I, I've used those before in some assemblies and it's a that's a, basically exactly right. The first installation is excellent. And if you only ever have to, have to do it once, that's awesome, but it gets crappy after that.
0: Yeah. So we're just going to do the normal, you know, screw mount, everything be all fine. Um, and then the next thing we need to do is design all those wiring harnesses, stuff, uh, for all our plugs. That's the next thing to do. Um, shouldn't be too Wouldn't hard that to be do. the
1: uh, responsibility of the
0: manufacturer of the cabinet though? Uh, typically, but we're actually going to be supplying them as like pigtails. But uh, but wouldn't it be different for every game? Yeah, you just cut the length.
1: But I mean every game has different assets, right? The different
0: things. Yeah, you to just cut these the length.
1: Oh, okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. It ends up being cheaper. Hmm. Um, because the, well, so with the old system, we were using a matrix for the switches and lights. Hmm. So, like, an eight column, eight row style system. But this new system, everything's point to point. And so, building a harness isn't really as, um, really as, uh, the, at least in the old way, isn't as, um, I guess beneficial to the manufacturing process than just it's cheaper to supply, you know, uh, a connector with four feet of pigtail on it than it is to make this custom wiring harness that does the matrix scene. Now, hmm. um, it just ends up being cheaper instead of having basically, cause back in the day you have people like on your floor, like crimping custom cables. It's like, no, let's just get them all in the same length. From a you know, a uh another manufacturer would be cheaper. So Got it, yeah. That's so faster too.
1: At what point at what point in the pinball manufacturing process does your board go
0: in or would your board go in the machine? Oh, like at the very end. Oh, okay. So it's not earlier on. No. You're talking about like in the manufacturing process?
1: Yeah, like, you, you know, uh, I've I've seen the jigs that they have that allow you to rotate the playfield upside down and do all the wiring. So, obviously, you would do all that wiring, and then would you build the entire cabinet up and then install your board, or is your board installed
0: earlier on? Yeah, so the, the playfield is its own separate piece, mm. and it has – its wires just kind of are off – you know, they're, they're, they have connectors on it, on the, on the wiring harness. And right. then your cabinet also has connectors. So that all goes together, and then your board goes into the back, and then you plug everything into it.
1: Hmm.
0: So, yeah, basically, actually, the PCB is probably the third last component you probably put on. Well, I mean, you, you probably
1: put that in before you're doing a lot of the decorative stuff at the end, right? Like all the flashing around the edges and things like that?
0: No, all the rails are part of the cabinets oh okay okay, yeah so
1: so it's basically almost done when the p c b goes in,
0: yeah, so you basically you would the last steps would be you put the board in, put all the connectors on it, put the glass on the back box mm. that covers it, and then you you would slide the glass over the play field, and then put your lock bar down, and then turn it on, <laughs> and hopefully it doesn't explode, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully you got it right yeah hopefully i you got I would it right.
1: think that that Setting up all the documentation for a pinball machine is probably a nightmare. Uh, not as bad as you think. It's just a process. Well, yeah, but, I mean, it's just, like, it's a lot of wiring. It's a lot of custom stuff, and uh, it's a lot of, like, what seems like free-floating wiring. I, mean, I know it's not. I know they have them loomed, and they they have things under control. Yeah, s- I mean, you, you
0: know, know where stuff. wires are going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You put yeah. this harness here, cut it like this, soldered like this. When,
1: um, when when you've done it in the past or you've seen other people is 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 the best way to do that or at least do you think that this is a good way because this is go- what's going through my mind is you build like the, the engineering department builds their own custom play field that has all of the wiring done up nice and pretty and then do you disassemble it all measure it all and replicate that or do you just try to build it
0: like one off every time we
1: build oh no
0: it's not done one off at a time yeah. um Yeah, you build one that is like, you usually build a prototype machine and then you build a second one that's like, this is how it's going to be built in production floor like your first article. But of course, it's wiring harness is custom because you have to make sure everything's the right length and everything. Right. And then when that's all looks good, then you take it apart, measure all the wires. Then you say, okay, we're going to make 500 of these. so We need 500 of this link, 500 of this link, 500. Yeah. Got it, it, got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, it's just, uh, I've,
1: I've seen some YouTube videos and, of documentaries and things like that where it's just guys with spools of wire and they're running wires individually and, and that feels really, really inefficient, you know? And, and, and that makes each game custom, basically. Yeah. yeah.
0: But, you, I mean, you're building the harnesses by hand. Yeah. It's just, you know, this one needs to be this long. Right, <laughs> that one right. wire needs to. be that Well, long.
1: that's why I was saying the documentation could be a nightmare because you could have what a hundred pieces of wire that all
0: have a unique length, right? Yeah, it's not as bad as you think, though. Because hmm. usually you put a little slop in it because you know it's plus minus, you know, an inch. Oh, so, of course,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So it's not actually as bad as you would think. Hmm. Um, so yeah, gotta get the wiring harnesses designed for. For the boards, because we want to we supply the boards with the harnesses um, just to prevent um, like design issues and, and, and problems with like, oh, we built 500 of these and this plug doesn't work. It's like, well, or if that plug fails in the field because someone decided to cheap out on a plug.
1: Yeah, you want to be in control of that.
0: Yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah, that's good. Because yeah. we, we had those problems in the past um, with the previous board set. You had five hundred and it f- fail in the field. Well, yeah, we had connectors fail in the field, and you ask, you know, where'd you get these connectors from? And like Alibaba, it's like, Ugh. <laughs> there's a reason why they were half the prices. The legit ones. Wow. Like, did you have any like burning problems and things like that? No, just actually the plastics failing. Oh, okay, and losing contact and stuff. Yeah, like because they were using um, the kind that um, IDC style which is where you press the wire into it and it makes contact so you don't Mm. need a crimp right um they were having issues with basically that the tolerance of that idc slot section i guess it wasn't tight enough or something yeah the wedge wasn't tight enough for for the vibration that the pinball machines were seeing because the connector was cheap right right
1: yeah pinball machines kind of get a bit of an of abuse you know a little bit yeah. Well, enough, enough that like, you, you wouldn't want to chance that. No. I would think that crimp or screw terminal would be ideal. Maybe not even screw terminal.
0: A, a lot of pinball machines are IDC. Really? You'd be surprised, J- yeah. Just for cheapness. Cheapness, yep. Hmm. So that's why I want to move to the style of wiring harness where we provide pigtailed crimped connectors. Because I'm like, we can provide you the same price... 'cause it's made by a third party instead of having you, you guys, you know, assembling them. So.
1: so are you gonna try to find a wiring house or are you guys gonna do some of it yourself?
0: Oh uh, we're gonna have a wiring house. Yeah. No way I'm doing it you're not crimping you know, thousands a thousand of connectors. myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. Um so gotta do that. And then um I'm gonna design a audio amp for the Raspberry Pi. Kind of like a a hat, I think they call them hats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they for should the be pied called pie plates, hats, yeah. in my opinion. But
1: <laughs> um,
0: so we're going to put a PCM five one two two audio DAC on it, which is a that part I've used before. Yeah, um, it's like I uh, I two S audio DAC sounds really good, and then pair that with a Class D amplifier should be good to go.
1: How much uh, How much power are you looking to push through that? Like 10, 10, 15 watts or something like that. 20 watts. Yeah.
0: Max. So I want it really, I want a really good sounding system. um, Because when you're at a trade show, the only thing you can hear is the loudest pinball machine. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what you want. Yes. Yeah. Um, Nice. One thing we did, or I didn't do, but one person in our group did, um, they built a. They actually put a subwoofer box for the subwoofer part instead of just throwing the subwoofer in the cabinet. Mm. And um, it basically doubled the sound output of that machine.
1: Like an external sub box? No,
0: no, it was the same speaker that every single pinball machine uses, but they actually designed a... Oh, they ported it well. A properly ported enclosure around it. Yeah. It was basically... They made it part of the, the cabinet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it made a huge difference. So I'm like... Why don't we do that with like all the speakers? Like, oh, jeez. Put a. Because it's got two speakers in the back box. So, like, put an enclosure behind those and port them. And then, uh. Like, just properly isolate them and give. And, and instead
1: of just shoving them anywhere in a box.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Although, like, Pinball never struck me as a thing where, like, the. Uh, you know, I know this will be different in in your, for you from your side, but it never struck me as a thing that that like the sound and what they were saying mattered too much. Because I mean, like everything around you in an arcade or wherever you normally see pinballs are are also making so much noise. Like mm-hmm. if if I if it was just me alone in a room with a machine, I would pay a lot of attention to what it was saying. But it's like noise and sound and lights and all kinds of stuff. Blue, 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 and
0: that's kind of. What it all boils down to? Usually, if you pay attention, Stephen, the machine is telling <laughs> you, you what you need to do. What you need to do, shoots. but half the time you can't hear it, you know, because the sound system's improperly designed. Ooh, okay. Because they just threw some the cheapest bitted speakers in a big wooden box.
1: Yeah, yeah. Those speakers were like the. Um, it's just like a stamped uh, bo- uh, basket around them, and it's yeah. like the crappiest steel and. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I know those. That's exactly what they are. Yeah. So. Or those, or those um, uh, what are they, rectangular speakers, you know, those those things just because they fit
0: nicer in a box. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, my space shuttle is just mono. It just has one big speaker in the middle. Really? It's, like, 12 inches wide and 3 inches tall or something like that. It's a weird speaker. Oh, yeah, I bet you that
1: thing sounds like crap. Been a while since I played that, so I don't remember.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember that um, one being hard. That game, that game was. Yeah, tough. Space Shuttle was a rough game. It, well, that was, it's, well, it's this not thing, nice. Space Shuttle was designed in an era of arcade where they didn't want easy games. They wanted games that would eat your quarters, and you wanted more people on that game. So, you did, if it was an easy game, someone could just play all day, right? On like one quarter. But if you had a hard game that would drain, you know, every five minutes for for a player, or even for a good player, then you get more turnover, people playing games.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's sort of the the whole point
0: of an arcade, right? Yeah, gotta make those quarters, man.
1: I, I went to a, I went to a video game conference up here a few months ago, and. Um, they It was like retro games and all kinds of other stuff, but they a lot of people brought their arcade cabinets and just had them on free play, and so there was probably 20 or 30 arcade cabinets sitting there, and that was one of the things. Like It's always fun when you get free play when you can just try anything and play all these games you haven't seen before, and you get a real appreciation for that where it's just like... Some games are like, man, I'm really I'm I don't know this game very well, but I'm doing fine and I've stayed alive for a little bit, and then there's other games where it's just like dead, 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 dead like <laughs> right away.
0: <laughs> They're just brutal. It's like um Metal Slug Two. Oh, that game was awesome. On the Neo Geo platform. Yeah. The first level I can beat without dying. Yeah. I die I'll lose all my lives on the second level.
1: Oh yeah. The game's <laughs> super hard. Yeah.
0: So, that's there's a time to eat
1: your quarters, man. There's a a, a Dungeons and Dragons um, beat 'em up style game. It's uh, Tales of Gauntlet Legends, Astara, or it's it's Gauntlet Legends ish, but it's it's a side scroller like the old um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or the or the uh, the Simpsons arcade game. It's like okay. that, and uh, it's great because there's like. What, the game is super awesome. As you go through the game, you get options where it'll be like, you come across a town and you see these couple of things happening. What do you want to do? And you can choose different paths and stuff. And later on in the game, there's an option where you can go into a cave where you've been told there's a red dragon in the cave. And and like, if you say, I want to go in the cave, it's like, are you sure you want to go into the cave? And you, <laughs> you have to say yes. And it's like, no, really, are you sure? It asks you like three freaking times. And you go into the cave. And, of course, there is a red dragon. It's the most powerful thing in the game. And uh, for the first, like, gosh, like, three minutes that you're fighting this thing, it's invincible. And every attack it has is an instant death. So, like, if you go into that cave to fight the red dragon, you have to have, like, an extra dollar just before you can even fight it. Because it just keeps killing you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, games were good. Did you beat that dragon? Well, I mean, I have it on a, I have that game on a Raspberry Pi, so I, ah. I could just spam quarters. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I beat the dragon.
0: <laughs> ah, cool. So besides uh, beating dragons, Stephen, what have you been up to? Uh, so I have another simulation. Uh, so last week I did a
1: uh, simulation that had uh, some precision rectifier stuff, and uh, I want to keep this uh, gravy train rolling with my simulation work and I'm going to be sharing that with you guys. So uh, this week I wanted to show off uh, doing AC analysis with LTSpice. So uh, in order to show this off, I I put together a Salen Key uh, second order low pass filter, which is a really, really nice topology if you ever need a second order filter or even just like a Joe Schmo filter. It's a one op amp filter. It takes two resistors, two caps. And you can get a second-order high or low pass with it. And uh, what's cool is with this uh, topology, you can actually uh, you have control over a handful of factors. So you can control the uh, what do they call it? Well, you you get the frequency cutoff, and you can also control the Q. But you can also control the uh, dampening factor. So uh, if you want it to be underdamped or overdamped, in other words ring or not ring you can control all of that uh which is really nice some of the equations for it are a little bit nasty but um they're you know nothing too bad and there's lots of calculators out there um on on the googles so uh i threw together i was
0: just scrolling through the wikipedia and i hit some of those formulas yeah they get nasty and i'm like yes that would be a final on a uh college exam you know what? The, but well, the final would would be
1: like it would be multiple questions about it. It would be like, "What's the cutoff frequency? What's this?" And then it would ask you something nasty like, "What's the input impedance to this?" You know, and it'd be like, oh, yeah. "Ah, <laughs> those are always awful." Um, but but uh, in in the my first job that I had out of college, we did a lot of custom uh, work for customers where uh, I, I did vibration sensing. And customers would ask for, you know, a vibration sensor that has, you know, cutoffs at high and low this and that frequencies. And we use saline key topologies all over the place because they were pretty easy to uh, to adjust. And you get second order cutoff, uh, which was good enough for most of our customers. Uh, so I, I dealt a lot with the saline key stuff back in the day. A lot of fun with it. So in this simulation, I gave two examples. One of them is a, uh, a low-pass filter that has a cutoff at one kilohertz and a Q of about 0.707. So it, it kind of gives that classic uh, curve that, you're, uh, that you that you expect when you do an AC analysis at it. And then the second example is uh, a 10 kilohertz cutoff, but I also gave it a Q of 10. So at the cutoff, it has a really high resonant peak that goes all the way up to a positive 20 decibels. So it'll ring really, really hard at that level. And uh, just by adjusting the resistors and cap values, you can have control over all of that stuff. Um, So that's the simulation of the week next week i have a really fun one coming up Uh, i'm going to be looking at monte carlo and gaussian distribution of tolerances so i'm going to add a high pass filter to this low pass filter from this week and then i'm going to apply tolerances to all the resistors and caps and then do a monte carlo uh, evaluation that shows what is absolute worst case of the tolerances being high and low and you can see the boundaries of uh like if you were to build thousands of these units what could you expect the cutoffs and the queues to be of these kinds of things
0: so a lot of cool stuff coming up okay so So, yeah so monte carlo that's not the location on the map right (laughs) no that's the worst case
1: (laughs) (laughs) that monte carlo is like throw it all in you know so yeah uh with it with a traditional monte carlo um simulation, you basically say, here's my boundaries. So if like I say a 5% resistor, you say the top and the bottom. And with Monte Carlo, you tell it how many times you want it to simulate and it will simulate and just like randomly pick values and just kind of try to show you like, what are your worst cases? So with a filter, say you do a hundred different simulations with variants and you plot all of them. And then you can see, you know, where your boundaries of everything are. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. And then, uh, but Monte Carlo, Monte Carlo was worst case. Monte Carlo just shows you like if the shit hit the fan. Uh, a Gaussian distribution is a lot better. And what's cool is LT Spice allows you to to um, handle tolerances in a Gaussian way. So you could say. 95% of the time, my tolerance is going to fit within this, you know, the next 5% is going to fit within blah, 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 you know, as yeah. you go further out and out. And so you can plot Gaussian. Uh, Gaussian will still show you worst case, but Monte Carlo has equal distribution for all tolerance values, whereas Gaussian fits closer to the center, which is a little bit more realistic. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give uh, examples of both of those. Um and the hope with these simulations is that if if someone wants to do, say, for this week, I'm doing an AC analysis. If someone wants to do it, their own AC analysis, just download mine from my GitHub, which we'll have a link to this. Uh, and then you can just basically cut my circuit and put yours in, and it's already set up for an AC analysis. And then if you want to do next week or week after uh, Monte Carlo and Gaussian, just download mine and plug your stuff in. Cool. So, uh, other than that, I'm actually resurrecting or going back to the fermentation controller project that I started ooh, Q3 of last year. That's not uh, about right. The, uh, yeah. So I got, I got, you know, uh, a bit of the mechanical design done on that. And, um, I actually have a good chunk of the schematic design done on it and a, a bit of, uh, actually the PCB too, in terms of determining where things are, uh, that, um, That preamp project that I did in Q4 actually got in the way because that had a little bit of, um, we need a little bit more speed on that, so I kind of plugged that in. But now that that's complete, uh, which I'm actually sending one of those to Roz this week, um, the second one that I built, so he's going to play on that, the um, preamp. But but now that the preamp's out of the way, I'm going to go back to the fermentation controller, which I have duplicates of almost all the parts. Uh, of that. So now I basically just need to start slapping it all together and get a PCB on order. Um, I still need to uh, get all the connections and everything right for the screen and all the other stuff. So uh, this week I'm going to be working on getting the schematic complete and the PCB in in a place where I'm happy where all the locations of stuff are. And um, when the PCB is on order, I'm going to start milling these enclosures because I actually have two enclosures here. So I, I made a couple of Audible um, decisions for the uh, for some of the things. Originally, I was thinking I wanted to get a little fancy and do like membrane switches on the front, and I've decided that's just kind of a pain, and I don't really want to do that. And I, I thought a little bit more about the application of what this is going into, and um, in terms of where I'm going to be using it, I'd rather have big er. More tactile buttons on the front, something that just like membrane buttons, arcade switches.
0: Are we talking about like e-stop switches, or
1: you know, I haven't, I haven't fully decided yet. But I want something bigger than membrane, and I want something with more throw than a membrane. I want it to be kind of clicky, but I want it to feel substantial. So I gotta, I've, I've determined most of my other parts on this. Like I, I know almost everything that goes through that. The last thing is just the buttons, really uh so i i'm i'm well i guess buttons or switches um whatever you want to whatever works for the application so that's my next kind of what i need to do next i should say is figure out what to find on that just because membrane switches are cool but like if you have gloves on membrane switches aren't that great Uh, not that i'm going to be using this with gloves on but I've i've been going through in my head of like do I really want to do membrane switches because I don't really like the feel of it and I was doing it more as a challenge to myself and now I'm thinking about it like this is a thing that I actually want to use so I want to put some cool buttons on it. Ones that are like, <laughs> yeah,
0: you know? You, I mean, you might look into one of those um, the 22 millimeter industrial buttons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, like the ones you have in the front of your cabinet?
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, those are, those are nice. The thing is most of these buttons are going to be used for like scrolling around menus and things and i don't know if those Ah. buttons will be super nice so something in between a membrane switch and a big button like that so and then uh the last thing i kind of i haven't figured out yet is uh do i want there to be a lot of lights on this thing or do i want the screen to be the entire indicator like if so if this device turns on my refrigerator for cooling or for heating do i want it to have a light that that lights up and says i'm cooling or i'm heating or i'm active in some way or would i rather just have that information displayed on the screen i'm kind of leaning towards like a nice big led that's like that light turns tower. on a light tower <laughs> a light tower. that's a great <laughs> idea
0: <laughs> that they use in uh on uh industrial machines
1: a- I could get I could get a I could get a blue, yellow and red one. So red for heating, blue for cooling and yellow for I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Although that would be super annoying cuz then I'd have this yellow light glowing all the all time. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to dodge that. But I but I do like the idea of of having something easier than having to go up and read the screen. Even though these screens are pretty large, uh, it would be nice to just be able to look at it and be like, "Oh, it is doing something right now." So, mm-hmm. yeah. So the next step is get the uh, figure out a good button situation, and then figure out that lighting
0: scheme. So that's what
1: I'm going to be working on.
0: Uh, I can't wait. Yeah. My brewery's almost done. Well, no, i yeah, hopefully I can get this <laughs> uh, done
1: relatively soon and off to you. You know.
0: Yeah. No nah, it would be um I gotta weld up my cart next. I got all the steel
1: that's right, you got like five hundred feet of steel, right
0: almost yeah ninety six feet of steel from a local steel shop, a steel yard, so
1: nice, and they did all the cuts for you, right
0: yeah, they cut in eight foot pieces to fit on my trailer nice so because yeah,
1: 'cause um, i'cause what didn't you buy like forty eight foot sticks or something like that they come in twenty four foot sticks oh I thought it was I thought you said forty eight <laughs> no, 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 I mean
0: that's they come enormous. in twenty four foot sticks, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, uh, can you cut it? And they're like, yeah, we can cut it. <laughs> I'm like, good. <laughs> yeah,
1: good. 16 feet hanging off the back of your trailer.
0: Yeah. Just sparking down the freeway.
1: <laughs> yeah, you just ground a point into it. <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping by uh, next podcast I'll have the cart done. And then um, some tubes like bent and stuff. So I can at least like start testing that out.
1: So, what do you think? Spring Break
0: will be the inaugural brew? Oh, I hope not. I hope it's sooner. Really? I'm I'm thirsty, man. Uh, <laughs> it's been a while <laughs> since you brewed. Jeez, it has, when, when yeah. was the last time you brewed? Uh, I brewed two football seasons ago. So two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. <laughs> yeah, two years ago now. Do you
1: typically measure brewing in football seasons?
0: Yeah, usually. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually I do most of my brewing at. Yeah, yeah, sure. I tried to bring a keg of beer to the tailgates. Oh. I think that's going to wrap up this episode. Yeah. It's a little short one for this week, but uh, it's been very boring in terms of electrical news this week.
1: What, one thing, uh, so last week in our RFO section, we had talked about um, two, uh, two things. One was uh, allspice.io, mm-hmm. which was a... Um, a Git uh, GitHub style uh, repository, and I guess, uh, well, it's it's a GitHub style um, system for hardware design, and yeah, uh, and
0: it, well, and also does design review. Yeah, design review. Right, right, right. Biggest draw to it.
1: So they're going to be joining us on the uh, on the podcast as a guest in early February. So keep your ears out open for that. And then also last week we talked about. Um, some uh, some really interesting ICS and a uh, and a really cool uh, some really cool technology behind like pitch detection and things like that and uh, the the uh, gentleman who has done the work behind that and holds the patent behind that his name is Brian uh Krasinski I think that's how you pronounce his name he will actually be joining us next week to talk about some really cool topics first of all we're going to talk about well we'll talk about his technology but we're also going to focus on IC manufacturing how to do that and you know the ins and outs behind that but he's also going to uh talk a bit about pitch detection or more I guess better said is frequency detection in firmware which that will be really cool that sounds really good all right well, that was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We were your hosts, Stephen Craig. And Parker Doman. Take it easy. Later, everyone.
0: Thank you, Yes You, are a listener, for downloading our show. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, let Stephen and I know. Tweet us at Macrofab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at Analog ENG or email us at podcasts at com. Also, check out our Slack channel. If you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, click that subscribe button in your podcast app. That way you get the latest map episode right when it releases. And please review us wherever you listen, as it helps the show stay visible and helps new listeners find us.